I think there is a place for this in the classical music world where it's wonderful to have music that keeps you on your toes and it's unpredictable and you don't know where it's going. But you know what? There's also a place for music where every chord progression goes exactly where you want it to go. That's one of the world's premier solo harpists, Yolanda Condonasis, joining us to talk about her brand new album released in May this year called Wildflowers in collaboration with trumpeter and composer Arturo Sandoval. I'm Melissa Green. Welcome to another episode of Heart of the Arts. So you released a brand new album titled Wildflowers. And it comes from, I feel like, a lot of close personal places for you. And I kind of wanted to talk about your relationship with Arturo Sandoval and how he's played such an important role in your music. Well, you know, Arturo is somebody that I have actually not known for very long, but I feel like we've gotten to know each other quite well over the process of this project. And um, he has been a dear friend of my husband, who is also a trumpet player. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, the way this this came about was through a project that um, is, is also very important to me uh, called Five Minutes for Earth, which is an initiative of my uh, foundation, Earth at Heart, which has the mission of inspiring earth conservation, awareness and action through the arts. And and honestly, it was it was during COVID and my husband and I were watching more movies than I think I've ever watched in my life <sighs> during that period. And we watched a lovely movie called At Middleton. And during the movie, I thought, you know, at that point, I was really thinking about trying to create a wonderful um, array of styles and genres for the Five Minutes for Earth collection, which is a, a collection of music where I, you know, bring the work to life, record it, get it out there. And then my foundation will support a sponsored donation of any performance of anything in the Five Minutes catalog by any artist in the world if it's verified on the hub. And so it's a way for kind of artists to to contribute through their art and then have my foundation turn that into a monetary contribution. So wow. anyway, long story short, I was I was just I was kind of my brain was in the the mode of looking for music and and genres that would would really be beautifully demonstrative of all the different facets of earth and i said to my husband you know the music and there's something about this this music on the soundtrack that i really love it's both wistful and hopeful and and that's kind of a an interesting combination wistful a little bit melancholy but very hopeful and and i thought that's that's a wonderful thing to um try and portray through music as it relates to earth conservation you know we yeah. we have used a lot in terms of earth conservation uh, opportunity, but we also have to be very hopeful. We can't just give up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I said to my husband, we are going to watch every end credit here and we're going to see who wrote the soundtrack. And we both just cracked up at the end because he said, it's Arturo. I'll give you his um, It was very cool. It's like the easiest contact I've ever ever made in my life. (sighs) But so I reached out to Arturo and he is just as generous and lovely a person as you will meet. He is just like a a kid in a candy store with music. Um, I mean, he is not one iota less excited about 
creating music and playing music than I would imagine he was when he first started out. I mean, he is wow. it just, just a fountain of, of youthful energy as it relates to what music is and does for people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I asked him, I mean, I, I barely even got, you know, uh, finished writing the email and he emailed me back and um, he said, of course I will. What do you want? And when do you want it? And, mm-hmm. and so he wrote this wonderful piece called Wildflower. And uh, honestly, it didn't have a title to begin with. Um, and, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, having when you title a piece of music before you've written it, it's almost like naming a baby before you've had it, you know, with my own daughter, <laughs> I yeah. remember I said, I need to look at her and see, see what she is. Is she an Amanda? Is she an Olivia? What is she? I need to look at her. Yeah. And that's kind of the way it is with music. And so we actually named it after its creation. And, um, uh, you know, so that's kind of a, a long way of saying it was a lovely and easier process than many processes are, which kind of makes me feel like it was meant to be. Yeah, I've known of Arturo for quite some time, you know, hosting radio for the past 10 years and classical music. But has he written for harp? Is It sounds just like the most perfect, gorgeous, bucolic harp piece. Is that something that he could just that was just really easy for him? Well, you know, it is not easy writing okay. for the heart. And you know, <laughs> I wouldn't I think so. <laughs> no. And it's very interesting because he talks about a, that a lot in um, a Zoom conversation that I had with him. It's up on YouTube and it's okay. the full the full length video. And he talks a lot about his process of writing for the harp on that. And I found it very interesting because he is a very instinctive kind of artist and composer. And, and, you know, a lot, of, it's just music is just built into him. And so honestly, he, as he describes it, the way he composed this piece was sitting down at his keyboard and just, you know, it's called five minutes for earth. So, so he said, okay, I set my timer for five minutes and I, I played and I improvised. I'm, I'm saying, you know, oh, in his work. Yeah. Um, and he, he said, I did it a few times. And then I sent that to my transcriber, a wonderful, brilliant guy named Kevin Koska in Los Angeles. And um, Kevin transcribed that and sent it to me. I literally had it in, a, you know, a few weeks. Wow. And, and, you know, from there, I mean, this is nothing I, I don't do with every single piece of music, new music, at least that I ever get, which is, you know, you, you, you work with it a little bit and make it, um, you know, really work on the instrument. But honestly, I didn't have to do nearly as much as I normally would with a, a normal contemporary piece of music. Um, and, you know, what I loved about it was there are sections of, of improv in it um, that is not something, you know, as a classical artist, you don't necessarily um, grow up steeped in that idea, but yeah. I loved it. It was so freeing. It was just, you know, to kind of riff on a chord. Yeah. I, I loved being able to do that. And the chords are so gorgeous. I mean, there, his music is, I think there is a place for this in the classical music world where you know, it's wonderful to be, to have music that keeps you on your toes and it's unpredictable and you don't know where it's going, but you know what? There's also a place for music where every chord progression goes exactly where you want it to go, <laughs> mm, you know, where yes. it's just satisfying and it's just like guilty pleasure. And it yeah. just it settles into the exact resolution you wish for, you know, and yeah. that is what this is, you know? Yeah. And like you mentioned, it does feel very free and open. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the performance of it is 
pretty free and open because that's how I felt, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's gorgeous. Um, So did you plan to release it around Mother's Day? I know there's a little bit of maybe intention and in how it might correspond to the relationship with your mom or you being a mother? Oh, it sure was intentional. Um, when we were talking about, um, you know, release weekends, it's all, all kind of business, you know, it's like, okay, it's got to be on a Friday, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so when it, it started looking like it was in that vicinity, I said, oh my goodness, let's do it on Mother's Day weekend. Because there's another little story with that. And I don't want to bore you with all my little stories, but <laughs> um, uh you know, the, the tie-in to my own mother was fairly important to me with this piece because my mother was my first piano teacher. And, uh, you know, we had a very close relationship. She was, you know, we'll call it, you know, for lack of a better word, she was the facilitating parent. She was the, the, the you know, person who drove me to camps and festivals and competitions and, and, you know, made sure I practiced and all of that kind of stuff because she was a musician. You know, she knew that's what it would, that's what it would take. And, you yeah. know, I, I think the very special relationship between mothers and daughters, particularly, is usually a quite an intense one. It it goes through quite a few, whatever you want to call it, generations or phases within a single relationship. And when I first sat down to play this piece, Wildflower, just sort of hack through it and see what was what, the very first thing I thought to myself was my mom would have adored this piece. You know, this was her cup of tea. She was a classically trained pianist and, and you know, taught her students classical structured piano. But, you know, at the end of a long day, she would sit down and play stuff like this. Burt Bacharach, you know, Henry Mancini, uh, Marvin Hamlish. That was that was her, you know, her guilty pleasure when she needed to unwind. And, you know, Arturo's piece is very much of that, um, that romantic, sentimental tradition that is just you know, that's it's what you if you're a pianist or a harpist or something like, you know, a keyboardist, this is often the kind of stuff that you just return to to align the planets in your head. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, and I just remember thinking, God, I wish I wish she could hear this. She would love it. And as I worked with the piece, it just it not only did it kind of become hers in my mind, but it really unlocked a kind of a portal for me. She passed away from Alzheimer's about 11 years ago, and it unlocked a, a portal of peace in me that perhaps I hadn't quite yet found. And um, so the the piece was the the piece of music was very 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 meaningful for me on on that level. Yeah, that's beautiful. What do you love most about motherhood, if you don't mind me asking? No, I sure don't mind you asking. Um, well, there's a lot I love about motherhood. It's you know as I often say, motherhood is always a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. um, you you go into it. I think you know at least a lot of mothers you know don't know quite what to expect. They don't know how they will function in that role. Um, and I, I had my daughter a little bit later than some, I was in my late thirties and, um, but I was really ready. You know, I was ready for it. I didn't feel like it happened a day sooner than I wanted it to. So now, as I like to tell my own daughter, you know, having her has been like every day is Christmas morning. You know, Aww. she is a joy and, um, you know, she is all, she has always been the the thing I most look forward to seeing, you know, in the morning. And, you know, when she was little, seeing her run out of school was like, 
Christmas morning. Oh. And so it's, it's joy like nothing else. It's hard work though, especially in these times, you know, there are a lot of mm-hmm. new challenges. I mean, every generation has its challenges, but there are a lot of new challenges with all the social media and all the, the opportunities for anxiety. Um, yeah. I think the mom's role right now has never been more important. It, it, you know, you sort of need to be the, the steady raft um, in the turbulency for your child right now. And, um, you know, I guess that's, that's a challenge I'm happy to, to take on. And she's just mm-hmm. a great kid. We got real lucky. We oh. Got real- oh, that's great. Well, you're probably such a great role model. Seeing your parents do what they love is like huge. <laughs> oh, well, you know, Oh, it's uh, the funny thing is <laughs> when she was very little, people would say, oh, it, it must be so wonderful hearing harp music in the house all the time. <laughs> and she looked at the person, she said, I don't think my mom plays the harp very much. And and that's because <laughs> I did all my practicing in the, in the, on the overnight shift when she was little. And um, oh, wow. And, yeah. So, um, you know, I think one of the biggest compliments kind of offhand compliments she ever gave me was probably she was about eight or nine. And, um, you know, I really, I really had been working, you know, very full time teaching in two conservatories, um, touring, traveling, making at least one recording a year, you know, since she was born. And she, she looked at me when I think we were in a Chick-fil-A and she looked at me and she he said, now, mom, now that I'm getting a little bit older, um, do you think you, are you considering maybe going back to work? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was, you know, because I just, I, I think when you're a parent, it's really important to be all there when you're with your kid, you know, you don't yeah. want your kid to feel like wherever you are, you feel like you should be somewhere else. So I guess that was always my goal that when I'm with her, I need to be all a hundred percent with her, not on my phone, not answering emails, not, I mean, so, so hopefully mission accomplished where she felt like, you know, it, it, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep all those years, but at least she, she wasn't on to me that I was trying to uh, cover up quite so many bases. That's, I can imagine that's not easy to do. So it seems like this album really reflects what's important to you, your lifestyle. When you were talking about the five minutes for Earth, I was curious if it inspired anything for you to change in, if it inspired any lifestyle changes for you. Oh, absolutely. Every time I wad something out, uh, wad something up and, and throw it out, I think to myself, you know, where's this going to go? And could I have used that again? And perhaps next time I will, you know, I, I now do use, you know, not, not in an unsanitary way, but if I'm home and I, you know, dry off my hands with, with something made out of paper, I, you know, I lay it out and I use it again, you know, it's, it's tiny little things like that. I mean, when I, when we think of all the waste, it's not just neglect and overuse of resources, it's waste. And, and I, I think that, you know, if I have one particular kind of anxiety driven passion as it relates to earth conservation, and now really we're into earth restoration mode, that was the theme of this year's Earth Day, not, you know, preserve or protect our earth, we're, we're it was restore our earth. And I think that's very accurate, because we've got not only things to do to make sure that the planet is sustained and maintained, but we also have much to do to repair damage that's already been done. So I think something that just really strikes me is the amount of waste. And I mean, the junk mail and the, oh, the yeah. amount of, of 
you know, and certainly over COVID, we did use an awful lot more plastic and paper products and, you know, things to guarantee sanitation. And it's just, it's, yeah, the waste is exponential. And that really, I don't know, everybody has sort of an area that concerns them perhaps the most. And that, that really um, strikes home with me a lot. Definitely. And you you have a nonprofit that's dedicated to this mission. And you've wrote a few. Did you write a, a children's book about it? I did. Well? I wrote a book um, way back when my daughter was little. And I, I wrote it because I couldn't find the book I wanted for her. Um, mm. I established my foundation um, probably about uh, now 12 years ago, but it's just been in recent years that I've really been ramping up activities and initiatives. Um, you know, I think as my daughter has gotten older, I've just had a little bit more time to pour into my foundation. It's called Earth at Heart, and it has the mission of inspiring earth conservation, earth conservation awareness and action through the arts. And uh, it's earthatheart.org. You know, I do believe that there's a there's an awful lot that artists can do to not only celebrate the earth and all it provides, but get people thinking about it in the earth conservation community or environmental community. I should should probably say it's widely felt right now that one of the most important things we can do is start talking about this a lot and get it in the front of consciousness. Talk about it with kids, talk about it with adults, talk about it um, in, in any form we can. And, and what my foundation aims to do is get people enjoying the arts, talking about it, thinking about it, walking away, saying to themselves, wow, that was an intense piece. Maybe I'll go watch the music video. There's a video for every piece in the five minutes for Earth Collection, you know, mm-hmm. and and hear it again. And then that music video gets them thinking in a different way and um, maybe even moves them to action, donate to a, a worthy conservation organization, or even go out and volunteer and participate in something, or just, you know, don't use as many paper towels or <laughs> any tiny thing yeah. that gets people thinking and talking about environmental issues, I think is important. And talking about with the pandemic, everybody was ordering stuff online and there's all this unnecessary boxing and packaging that's just so overdone. It just makes you think like, why are why why are they doing it this way? <laughs> no, and you know, with with the whole idea of waste and recycling, you know, back to the children's book mm-hmm. that I wrote, it, it, it my daughter was learning all about recycling in school, but when I asked her, well, do you know why it's important to recycle? And um, she wasn't quite sure. And then I I thought, well, maybe she missed the memo. I asked a few of her friends and they weren't sure either. So I, um, I looked for a book and I thought that would be the easiest thing to find for that age group, which is young. Just a way to, to get them thinking about images and, you know, okay, so we throw this in the trash, juice box, whatever it is. Um, where might that go? And that led to realizing that I, I wanted to create something that was beautifully illustrated, but gave a little straight talk to kids, not scary, but mm-hmm. a little straight talk. I, I found that most little kids can handle that. You know, they ask direct questions. And I think 
if you give them a non-scary, somewhat direct answer, I think they're a lot more satisfied with that. So the first iteration of the book was called Our House is Round. And then okay. it was picked up by Scholastic Books in, uh, I believe, at least a couple of, of countries, including Australia. And then oh, cool. Skyhorse, my publisher, uh, decided to release a paperback edition for that. And it was re-released in paperback just, uh, just last year. Um, and it's now called My Earth, My Home. And uh, mm. so that should be available just about everywhere, Target, Walmart, you know, online, that oh, kind of thing. Wow. So, you know, it's just a way we updated it also um, okay. because a lot changes in about 10 years in, in such a, a fluid field as environmental science. So, um, you know, yeah. it's a, a little bit updated and beautiful pictures and a can-do list and, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm I'm proud of being able to contribute to the, the resources out there. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel like um, there's going to be more of a shift? I was talking to Sarah Kirkland Snyder, who has a, a mass about the endangered species and, mm-hmm. and planet. And do you think that there will be a shift where that's maybe more of a focus for classical music? You know, of course, it's always oh, yeah. been religion and mm-hmm. nature, of course, or Shakespeare. But I'm wondering your thoughts on that moving forward. I do. I, you know, in fact, my next big orchestral commission is um, themed around, uh, you know, an environmental uh, source. Um, And certainly I am doing that. I know others are doing that. Um, I know Yo-Yo Ma is doing a lot of celebration of of nature um, at -hmm. this point in time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Joyce DiDonato is, you know, it's more like a celebration of nature as, as I understand it. But I feel like maybe my personality is a little more geared towards, you know, a mixture of celebration of what we have and um, perhaps a musical representation of, you know, what we might have to lose. Because I think Mm -hmm. that when you give people uh, an artistic idea to hang on to, it it gets in, in a way that data and stats and shocking details don't, you know, sometimes if you're, you're listening to a piece of music that is beautifully done and beautifully rendered that, that takes your mind somewhere new, and then you read about it, you think, wow, that really, that was impactful. So I think if we, any important cause, I think benefits from a musical representation of it, but this, this certainly is my deal going forward. Um, And in fact, this next spring, I would say probably the most listened to track on my five minutes for earth album was a piece by the wonderful um, composer Takuma Ito called Kohola Sings. And it's, Mm. uh, um, imitates the sound of humpback whales with a string bending technique on the harp. And it's just gorgeous. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just eerie in a way, but it is beautiful in all the most, you know, traditional ways as well. And so I'm premiering an orchestral version of that, um, an expanded an orchestral version of that piece a year from now. So mm. it, it this whole earth thing is kind of all I'm about at this point and and where where I put my the most time and the most you know I've been at this a while so that's where I'm putting all my capital and um you know getting commissions and really increasing this this catalog of earth inspired music I was wondering, since you had a piece written for you by Arturo Sandoval that kind of comes from 
maybe more of a jazz background. Did you uncover anything during that process about your playing style or things that you want to incorporate into future compositions moving forward? Oh, that's a great question. Um, actually, yes, because, it, you know, I think one of the things I've always done, and I I believe, I haven't counted lately, I think I have about 25 albums out there, and, and, and each one of those albums is almost to an album is completely different than the last one. So I am very interested in different styles of music and genres and whatnot, but I do see myself at this juncture moving into a lot more cross-genre work. And this piece by Arturo Sandoval, Wildflower, definitely was just a lovely kind of entry into that that more jazz-inspired work. It's it's just, you know, in, in our conversation that's up on YouTube, Arturo was telling me that his favorite composers are Rachmaninoff and Ravel and Debussy and Chopin. Mm. And, and, you know, everyone, and, and he expressed almost frustration that people always think of him as this Latin jazz guy. And, and he mm. said, you know, I just like beautiful music and I take inspiration from lots of places. And, you know, and 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 his style and this piece is sort of an amalgam of of you know all of those lush gorgeous hit you right in the heart kind of composers um, both of a more popular genre and the great classical musicians like Rachmaninoff we both we both spent you know some time waxing on about how Rachmaninoff is our guilty pleasure you know when I was young I crossed the country back and forth in my car and just put it on a tape loop Rachmaninoff second piano concerto <laughs> yeah you know so yeah. so it's no wonder that I loved this piece so much because it was coming from the same kind of favorite influences that Arturo Sandoval has and you know just the opportunity to improvise a bit and just kind of free myself because the harp is a very, very, it can be, at least in its sort of highest classical forms, kind of tedious. Um, and, it, you know, we've got the pedals, we've got all the mechanism, there's a lot to the technique of it. Um, you know, you've just got to really keep keep hold of the operation, yeah. especially when one does what I do, which has always been, you know, be an orchestral soloist, uh, solo recitals, that kind of thing. That's a, you know, a, a, a very, it's a labor intensive operation. And this piece, for whatever reason, it was quite chromatic, but I think just the way he wrote it, Wildflower just kind of popped out, you know, and, yeah. and I, I find myself enjoying it when I play it. I, I would imagine almost as much as one might enjoy listening to it. And that is, that is kind of a, a, a unique and wonderful thing. Yes. Yes. It's so beautiful. So you've got a new commission coming up. What else are you look, looking forward to uh, for the rest of uh, this year in terms of music and, and performing? Well, I think, you know, the thing that I am loving being able to do at this point, you know, I spent, oh gosh, it, good 30 years uh, touring kind of nonstop. Mm -hmm. What I am loving is being able to really pick my projects carefully and do those things that are most 
passion inspiring for me. And, and so I plan to uh, get this five minutes collection of music. We're up to 17 works now. And um, that's a multimedia uh, production. And I premiered live all of those works at the Cleveland Museum of Art this last fall, kind of a marathon. Oh, cool. And each work had a giant projection screen and a video representation. We've done formal music videos of now, I think, seven of the, the 17 five minutes works and we're working on those and that I find a very creative process to make music videos Um, and you know it's just I'm very excited about all the new places classical music is going and I want to be a part of those innovations and and a big part of that is the multimedia and Mm -hmm. um, so I'd also like to find new ways to um, enhance the five minutes collection with even other artistic mediums, like perhaps dance. And, uh, Mm. you know, but right now it's just expanding that five minutes for Earth catalog, getting everything recorded, getting everything out there and play, touring the five minutes for Earth show with multimedia, premiering this new uh, expanded work next spring, Kohola Sings, and then another big commission beyond that, that will um, come to the fore in 2025. So all of this wow. is, you know, it's sort of like having a lot of pots on the stove and you just want to make sure they're all hot when you need to eat them. Yes. Yeah. But an artist's dream to get to be able to pick and choose and do what's closest to your heart and in terms of producing and, and expanding the conversation, like you said, it sounds like this is going to really expand uh, conversations about where classical music can go, especially with the visuals and the mission behind it. Yeah, I think as many ways as the arts can find their way into um, listeners or or appreciators' hearts, um, the the better chance you have of um, the better chance you have of really reaching them. And uh, you know, I, I think that's that's the mission. Yeah. Yep, meeting him there. Well, it's beautiful, and congrats on a gorgeous new album, Wildflowers. I'm excited to share it with our audiences. And um, my last question is, uh, I know I have your homepage, and you mentioned um, some YouTube stuff. Is there anywhere else our listeners can follow you besides YolandaHarp.com? And then I I assume these are on YouTube on your channel? Uh, Yes, I have a YouTube channel, and it's just, um, you know, my name, easy to find, and all the five minutes for earth videos are there along okay. with a lot of like, performance videos there's also on youtube um a live performance video of me playing arturo sandoval's wildflower which is kind of mm. interesting you know it's it's one thing to sort of just listen to the audio and let it take you away but it, it's kind of interesting to see how all those sounds are made on an instrument like the harp that might be a little bit less familiar to some folks so oh yeah the youtube channel instagram uh facebook my website earthatheart.org also has a lot of information on the five minutes for earth project and um that's probably enough places for people to <laughs> find me more we'll than make, more than they want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll make sure they um, get uh, access to all of those places and uh, to your music, at least on KBOC here in the station. You're definitely at the heart of the arts. So thank you for your time and sharing your message and mission with us here in the Valley today. Thank you so much. And I do appreciate the interest and the support. Of course. We'll hope to talk to you soon. 
I hope so. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Yolanda. That's world-renowned American harpist Yolanda Kundanasis talking about her brand new release, Wildflowers, in collaboration with Arturo Sandoval. You can stay in touch with what's happening with Yolanda Kundanasis by following her on Instagram, YouTube, or YolandaHarp.com. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.